Bible tells us that Satan is real and that he is like a roaring lion seeking to devour God's children. In the master plan for prayer, we are taught to pray for protection and deliverance. Listen to the word of God speak as Pastor Lee continues this series with verse 11 of Matthew chapter 6. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we stand here in victory today, that we have victory in Jesus, that not even death and hell, not even Satan himself can defeat your people, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God, we know that 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 wonderful presence, that wonderful power of yours that is in our lives enables us to share the glorious gospel that saves lives for all of eternity. And so, Lord, would you, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Would you teach us through your word? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been calling this the master plan for prayer, and uh, there's reasons for that. First of all, We call this the master plan for prayer because it was given to the disciples by the master himself. It's easy for us to identify this prayer as a master plan when it was given by the master to his followers. Secondly, because no one can give us a better plan for prayer than God himself. And thirdly, because the prayer itself covers every essential area of life. That's why we call it the master plan for prayer. Remember last week as we were closing, I I shared a quote with you. It's kind of wordy, but it's very um, pointed. And, And it was this, inspiration from God and information from God without application leads to frustration. You probably heard that or read that before. Inspiration and information without application leads to frustration. So you can you can hear five sermons on the Lord's Prayer. And you can be frustrated if you don't do anything with it. You can get all charged up and think, yeah, God's going to answer my prayer. Right? This is going to be good. And you hear it. And don't do anything about what you hear. The opposite is true as well. Inspiration and information with application leads to transformation. And that's what we're after. So you hear truth. You hear God's Word. You receive it into your life. And then you live it out. This book is not just meant to be read. It's certainly not just meant to sit on the coffee table and gather dust. This is a book that is meant to be eaten. Not literally, but eaten and digested and lived. And so it leads to life transformation. And that's what happens when we study prayer and we begin to apply prayer. Now let me back up a little bit and get a running start so that we can get into these two verses. But just a reminder of where we've come in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. When you say those words, Paul, 
pause for a moment and meditate on what it really means to be a child of God. You think for a moment that this is the basis for which we are coming to Him on prayer uh, by, uh, by this relationship that we have with Him, the father-child relationship. John wrote about this in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. He said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This part of the prayer leads us into praising him for who he is. He's holy and for what he has done. We meditate upon his divine attributes, that he's all-knowing, that he is all-powerful, that he is everywhere at all times, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come. And so we magnify the name of God in word and in deed. Hallowed be your name. As the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6 flew back and forth, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Notice that the first thing Jesus has his disciples focus on in prayer is not themselves. It's not even their own sin. It's on God. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And as we make progression through this prayer, we see this idea of submitting to his authority. The kingdom of God, allowing the kingdom of God to reign supreme in our lives. Positioning ourselves to be under his authority, his present rule and reign in the world today. He is on the throne of our lives and when we pray for his kingdom to come... We are praying that he'll continue to establish that authority in our lives. We are praying that it will be established in the lives of those whom it has not been established yet. That's salvation. We're praying for the kingdom to come into their lives, for him to become Lord of all in their lives. We're praying for the kingdom to come on earth, for Jesus to come. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life. Perfectly, completely, immediately, Lord. This is a matter of obedience. You remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was about to go to the cross and he was praying and he prayed three times for the cup to be removed from him and he said, Nevertheless, your will be done. Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life, in my family, in my children, in my church. Give us this day our daily bread. Focus
focus on God meeting our needs on a daily basis, depending on Him to provide every need, physical, material, spiritual, psychological, emotional need. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 says, My God shall supply all of my need in glory according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Take a look at the cross and see the severity of the penalty for sin and realize how it must be dealt with in our own lives. Forgive me, O God, for where I have sinned against you as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Looking at the cross and seeing the seriousness of sin and the consequence of sin and realizing that He removed that from us when we trusted in Him for salvation. We no longer have to pay the penalty for sin because He paid it. But we look at the seriousness of it and we pray, Father, forgive me of my sins. I want to be in sweet fellowship with you. And forgive me uh, as I forgive those who've sinned against me because I want to be in sweet fellowship with them as well. 1 John 1, 9 reminds us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses or our sins, our debts. Forgive us of our sins as we, have, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so today we look at this verse. And we, like last week, are dealing with an aspect of the prayer that has to do with a personal request. Last week dealt with personal relationships. This week deals with personal prayers for protection. And so in, in uh, the first part of chapter 13, it says, And do not lead us into temptation. We are being taught here to pray for protection during temptation. Now I want you to notice how I'm saying that. I'm not saying that we are to pray to be protected from temptation. We are to pray to be protected during temptation. Because temptation is coming. You're made of flesh. And you have a carnal nature. If you're saved, you've been redeemed. You have a spiritual nature that fights against that carnal nature. But the truth of the matter is, this is not a prayer just asking not to be tempted. It is a prayer asking for power, the power of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit to resist temptation when it comes. We are foolish to think we will never be tempted. And we are even more foolish to think that we will never give in. That's why the Lord here says, pray, pray not to fall when you are tempted. In fact, the Bible teaches us that Jesus himself was tempted in every way known to man. 
The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, For we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. Now, if Jesus himself was tempted, what makes you and I think we will not be? And the Bible says that he was and he is able to sympathize with us in our weakness because of that. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1 tells us Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We're not praying that we will escape ever being tempted. We live in a world full of temptation. Every single day there are things put in front of us that would tempt us to go the wrong way, that would tempt us to do the wrong thing. We are praying for protection during the temptation. The truth is, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to the temptation. And it is extremely foolish for us to think that we will no longer be tempted. Temptation is all around us. It's the same today as it was in the days of Adam and Eve when the serpent came into the wilderness and tempted them to disobey God. Temptation is very real. And you don't have to look very far to find it. In our flesh we are weak. One of the old uh, hymns of the faith says, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. What the author of that song is saying is, I have a tendency to do bad. I have a tendency to be wrong. I have a tendency to fall and fail and you know, even Paul himself struggled with this. He's the, one of the great examples for us in the New Testament where he, he says something like this. You know, all of those bad things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And all those good things that I want to do, I don't do. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, nothing good dwells in me. You know what he's talking about there? He's in a war. Flesh against the spirit and temptation all around. This is why Jesus says one of the things that we are to pray for is for protection during temptation. Lead us not into temptation. James the pastor of the church in Jerusalem in chapter 1 and verse 14, just jot that reference down. He gives us a picture of the progression of sin in a person's life and temptation. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so there's this progression, and it begins with temptation. That's why we say, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Protect us when we are tempted. Protect us during the temptation. Anybody here brave enough or, should I say, dishonest enough (laughs) 
to say that you've never been tempted? Anybody in here? Never been tempted? I mean, don't really raise your hand, but I'm just making a point, right? Uh, Everybody in here has been tempted in one way or another. And we all are fully aware of our own weaknesses. And yet sometimes instead of asking God to protect us when temptation might come and really bear down on that weakness, we just pretend like it's not there. We just personally don't want to admit that that we have those weaknesses and tendencies. When you do that, you set yourself up for failure. You set yourself up for disappointment. You can't handle it on your own. You need Jesus. The disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, hey, pray this way. Lead us not into temptation. You're going to need protection from God during temptation. Temptation is alluring. It's appealing to us. One of the ways I've heard this illustrated was an interesting um, way. It was by a preacher who is uh, at a large church in Georgia. And uh, they have about 5,000 in Sunday school. So it's a really big church. And um, on the day that they have the Lord's Supper together, um, you can imagine it takes quite a a long time to to go through that process. But uh, the preacher was just using it as an illustration uh, uh, in reference to temptation. He said, when we have the Lord's Supper, we choose not to use real alcohol. And he said, it may not be for the reason you think. He said, the truth of the matter is, there are many men and women in my congregation whom I love and you love who have overcome an addiction to alcohol. And the truth of the matter is, when that plate is passed in front of them, there are some of them that the smell of it will tempt them. I thought, man, that's good. I mean, because, you know, we don't want to be a church of temptation. Hey, I don't want to be a part of the temptation, do you? <laughs> I mean, I don't, want to, I don't want to be any part of that. So we have to be aware that temptation is all around us and it happens even when we might not intend for it to. James, again, in chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Okay. There's several verses here we've looked at in reference to overcoming temptation, but we've not seen anything in Scripture that says it won't be there. James says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so there's this indication that we are to endure temptation, from James, and if we're to endure temptation, then we're going to have to ask God, lead us not into temptation. Protect us during the temptation when it comes. Second part of this verse is asking God for protection from the evil one. 
says in verse 13, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, some of your translations may just say evil. The Greek word there is one word, and it is used throughout the New Testament to mean evil and evil one. So the same word refers to both. And it does us good to understand it in that context with the Lord's Prayer. Because all evil emanates from the evil one, here we are. We have this holistic picture of evil. And so there's this specific prayer here to be protected from the evil one, the devil himself. Now, I cannot stress enough how important it is that we pray this daily. There are a few things in my Christian life that I learned to pray early on. And that was to ask God for wisdom. According to James, ask God for wisdom and he will give to those who ask. And it says he'll give freely, he'll give liberally. And then this second one was to be delivered from the evil one. We live in a world today that will try to tell you he does not exist. And um, there's evidence of his existence all around us. As you look at the evil that emanates from him and from his army... It was important enough for Jesus to include it in the list of things for the disciples. Listen, sometimes we miss these things, but Jesus is indicating there's an evil one. If he's saying to the disciples, pray for protection from him, Jesus is saying he exists and you need to pray for protection against him. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, you have a, an interesting passage of Scripture where Satan uh, has come to Jesus and he has asked for Peter. And while Jesus is talking to Peter, Jesus says to Peter, Hey, I want you to know Satan himself has asked for you. And he wants to sift you like wheat. Jesus says, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. This is real. I, I question sometimes whether or not I'm living in such a way that it would get his attention and that Satan himself would go to God and ask to sift me. I hope so. I don't want to be sifted, that's not what I'm saying, but I hope that I'm living in a way that not, listen, some of you want to live in a way that gets God's attention, and that's great, but I'm telling you, you ought to live in a way that gets Satan's attention. You ought to live for God so passionately. You ought to be so holy. You ought to live uh, for Christ and with Christ in this world to where... Satan and his army cannot stand you and your presence in this place and what you're doing to help others around you. Satan comes and asks for Peter at first uh, Peter chapter 5. <laughs> Are you following along? 
In Luke, Satan asked for Peter. 1 Peter is the book he wrote after Satan attacked him. And this is what he says about Satan. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary is like a roaring lion prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. That's coming from a man whom Satan asked God for. So he knows. I don't know if you've ever thought about how a lion seeks after its prey. How many of you ever watched a, a National Geographic show and you've seen those kinds of things take place as the, as the, um, the lions go after the prey? Uh, there are several things that you can identify. But one of the things that's very interesting to me is how they will prowl around. They won't just pounce, they'll prowl. And they'll wait. And they'll watch. And what they're doing is working to isolate one and the weakest one if they can find it. But they're not necessarily running into the middle of the herd. They're just following along, following along until they get one over here by itself. The Bible says he's seeking. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's watching. He's prowling. He's waiting. Satan is our spiritual adversary from whom we need to be protected. That's why Jesus said to his followers, pray that you won't be led into temptation when it comes your way. Pray to be delivered from the evil one. The Bible doesn't say that he's seeking whom he may hurt. It's not saying he's seeking whom he may cause pain. It says he's seeking whom he may destroy. Utterly destroy. And so we need to recognize who our enemy is and who our enemy is not. But you also have to know that God, that Satan is not God's evil equal. He's not equal to God. He's not all-knowing. He's not everywhere at all times. He doesn't have the same power as God. And the Bible says that greater is he that is in me, you, than he that is in the world. But if we don't pray and ask for God's leadership when temptation comes our way, we will not have that protection and things will go bad. If we don't pray and ask God to be delivered from the evil one, then we will not and things will go badly. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41 is where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Same scene we were looking at a while ago. He has told his disciples to stay back here to watch and to pray. And he's going to go on into the garden and he's going to pray to the Father. When he tells them to stay, he says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation... For the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. It doesn't matter 
how strong of a person you think you are. I'm not just talking about physically. Emotionally, mentally, you may be like a rock. But I'm going to tell you, you're nothing without Jesus. You are not a formidable opponent for Satan without Jesus. You have no ability to stand on your own against Satan. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. For far too long, God's people have neglected the activity of prayer and have suffered the consequences. We honestly think that we have it all figured out. And, and you say, no, I don't. I really don't. I know I need God. I mean, I, I, we would all say that, right? But what happens day after day after day? If we're not careful, we can live a whole week without Him. Not really, but I mean, because He's always there. But you, you understand what I'm saying. We've not acknowledged Him in our life. We've just got up and, you know, we've gone about our routine. And we've not recognized His presence in our lives. We need to reestablish His protection through prayer. And it doesn't have to be formal, right? This is about your relationship with God and you praying for the things that you need in your life and asking God for that help. With temptation all around and the devil on the prowl, prayer is absolutely essential. Remember that the Lord's Prayer, when we pray it, helps us to cover all the essential areas of life. And I want to show you that as we get ready to close this morning. I want to show you what one man put together. He calls it the heart of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to show you this on the screen. And so the first part of it is, Hallowed be thy name. That is the praise of God. Thy kingdom come. That is the purpose of God. Thy will be done. That is the plan of God. Give us bread. That is the provision of God. Forgive us of our sins. That is the pardon of God. Lead us not into temptation. That is the power of God. Deliver us from the evil one. That is the protection of God. And so you can see how praying the Lord's Prayer understanding what you are digging into there, how it provides for every area of your life. I can remember early on and throughout my ministry uh, struggling with prayer. How many of you here have ever struggled with the area of prayer in your life? I think that that is large in part because Satan doesn't want you to talk to God. I can remember a man telling, uh, using this illustration one time, and then I thought about it, and it was very true for my own life. How many of you have ever knelt down to pray, and you had something really heavy on your heart, and you were trying to engage God in prayer, but all of a sudden terrible thoughts started coming across your mind. Distraction after distraction, but for instance, kneeling down to pray, 
for uh, my little girl to make it safely to college. And then all I can think about is her having a wreck. Right? Or um, some other ungodly, awful thought that comes across your mind to distract you from having faith and confidence in going before the Lord and praying to Him. I can tell you, uh, I could give you illustration after illustration of answered prayer, and I could also give you illustrations of answered prayer that I was not expecting, right? How he, uh, in fact, I'm standing here today in front of you uh, as an unexpected answer to prayer. <laughs> I'm in Montana as an unexpected answer to prayer. And many of you have experienced that as well. As we close our time together this morning, I do want us to take time to pray exactly what the Scripture has led us to pray. And that is for protection during temptation and protection from the evil one. But I also want this to be very personal for you today. Because in a crowd this large, there are some of you who are struggling. There are some of you who are hurting. There are some of you who feel like you are constantly under attack. There are some of you who need relationships to be repaired. There are some of you who are greatly tempted right now and you need God to deliver you from that temptation. And I know that. I don't know who you are, but I know that's true because we're all in the same boat. Thank you for listening to the Word of God Speak, the sermon podcast of Pastor Lee Merck. We hope that you were blessed by today's episode.